Welcome to Franchise Marketing Radio, brought to you by SEO Samba, comprehensive high-performing marketing solutions for mature and emerging franchise brands. To supercharge your franchise marketing, go to seosamba.com. That's S-E-O-S-A-M-B-A dot com. Lee Cantor here, another episode of Franchise Marketing Radio, and this is going to be a good one. Today, I got Mike McFall with me, and he is with Big B Coffee. Welcome, Mike. Hey, thank you. Appreciate it, Lee. Before we get too far into things, tell us about Big B. How are you serving folks? Well, so uh, Big B Coffee, right now, we are uh, we're a franchise, a retail uh, coffee franchise. Uh, we are in uh, 10 states, open in 10 states. We're developing in two more. Uh, primarily, our stores are in the Midwest. Uh, we are Michigan, Northwest Ohio is where the, the majority of our stores are. And we're really starting to get traction in some other areas of the country, which we're excited about. Now, how did uh, Big B come about? We had one store uh, in East Lansing, Michigan. Uh, we worked hard to uh, build a second store uh, in the same marketplace. And, you know, we, we were looking to grow and expand our brand and we had, we had real success with those first two stores. And so, uh, eventually what happened is, is we started getting, uh, phone calls from people who were interested in learning more about franchising with us. Well, we weren't a franchise. <laughs> and so we had to kind of look into what, what, you know, what the franchise business model was all about. And, uh, it didn't take us very long to, uh, be attracted to the business model of franchising. And it really fit well into, you know, who my co-founder and I are as people. And that's, uh, that's how we, that's how we started. And then that's how we ended up getting into franchising as well. So now what drew you to the coffee business in the first place? Well, for for me as a as a person, it, what drew me into the coffee business is, is I love being a barista. So I started as a minimum wage barista in our first our very first store that my partner opened, and I loved serving coffee in the morning. I loved uh, greeting people when they walked in the door. I loved uh, engaging them in a way that uh, put a little spring in their step in the morning, and you know, just being a, a, a regular part of somebody's morning and and having uh, that engagement. I just love doing it, and you know, I've always said that I'd love to go back and be a barista someday uh, when I can retire from having to run the darn company. Now, when did you have when people started coming up to you? Um, that was obviously a clue that hey, maybe we should franchise. When you were in the first store and you were doing the work, were you always, did you have this empire building kind of thought in the back of your head or was it like, Hey, this is a great job. I love what I'm doing. Well, it was a synergy between my partner and I, frankly. So, you know, I was a, I was a, a, a barista. Uh, he was working on the second store. He approached me about becoming a manager of, of uh, store number two. And, you know, I had other things I had going. I was on my way back to graduate school. And so, so the end result uh, was that a conversation between Bob and I really led to us putting uh, an agreement you know, a handshake agreement together on how to build uh, 50 units. Our, our goal was 50 units uh, when we first formed, and uh, we've we've far surpassed that now. And and uh, but that was originally we we wanted an empire of 50. And then um, so, but you were considering franchising as the path to that empire. Or were they going to be all kind of owner owned by you guys? We didn't know. 
<laughs> that probably sounds crazy, right? But uh, we didn't know. We were we were uh, aggressive. We were uh, energetic. We were young, and uh, you know, we we just. Uh, but then, but then, when the franchising business model became uh, clear to us, and and that's when uh, we decided to take that path. And we, for a long time, we had both company-owned units and we had franchised units. And it was through a relationship with Fred DeLuca from the Subway Sandwich Shop chain that he um, he was interested in taking an equity stake in our business. And we talked to him for over a decade about that. But one of the times that we got together, uh, he encouraged us to choose a business model, right? And and uh, we knew where he stood because Subway was 100% franchised at that point. And so at that, it was 2006 uh, that we made the decision to uh, become the best franchisors we could be. We ended up selling our units uh, that we owned and we've been 100% franchised ever since. Now, when you made that pivot to being a franchisor from being a coffee shop, how did that learning come about and how did, I mean, how did it, how did it go for you guys? Because that's a different business now. Like at one point you're serving your local community and handing them, you know, cups of coffee. And now you're, you're a training and development and sales organization. Well, you know, I think the fundamentals, uh, I've always said the fundamentals are the same today. What we do is we coach and mentor people in those fundamentals as opposed to doing them ourselves. And, and the fundamental, the fundamental success of a franchise business is that the unit level economics work. And so we have to coach our franchise owners through the process of getting their business to the point where the economics work for them. And if we can't do that, then we don't have a business either. Right? So the, the basis of everything in the franchise business model is that you, the unit economics uh, in the local community work and the franchise owner in that local community is profitable. And if that's the case, then the franchisor will see success. There's never been a franchisor that's been successful in history that I'm aware of where the unit economics, the franchise owner and the community didn't make money. And so, you know, it, it isn't, it isn't to us. It's not, it, it's a very different mentality because you're coaching and mentoring, but you're coaching and mentoring on the fundamentals that made you successful as the retailer at the unit level. I hope that makes sense. Yeah. Now, what about when you're in a space that has like kind of the 800 pound gorilla in the space as well? You mean like Starbucks? Well, I didn't want, you know, I, this is all about Big B. <laughs> this is all about Big B. It could be Starbucks. No, no, it, it could be, you know, Dunkin' Donuts too. I mean, that's all a lot of coffee yeah, as well. True. But um, the, well, I've, I've never, I've never, I've never spoken badly about Starbucks. I mean, they're, they're, a, they're a brilliant retailer. Uh, they've done an amazing job. It's one of the greatest retail rollouts in history. So, you know, but, but I, I frankly think that having Starbucks as a competitor in a marketplace it makes us sharper. It makes us better uh, because they're very, very good at what they do. Same with Dunkin' Donuts. But I will say that I believe in the end that our business model, the franchise business model is stronger than the Starbucks business model. When you go into one of the local communities that we're in, we have a local uh, entrepreneur in that marketplace developing their business. And to me, that is much more powerful than a company-owned uh, store with managers who are making salaries. And, and, and I know that I've lived that. And, and people say to me all the time, how do you possibly compete with, with Starbucks? Like I compete with Starbucks because I've got an entrepreneur representing my brand. I've got somebody who's in there day in and day out building relationships and building community, um, 
around their store and that works. And it's, it's a cup of coffee in the morning and, and where's somebody going to go? They're, they're going to go to the place that's engaged in their community and they know the owner and so on. And that's the power of franchising to me really is. Now, how do you kind of coach that relationship building and the importance of supporting the community and things like that, those intangibles? The intangibles are hard to know uh, up front, um, similar to the conversation you and I were having before going on the air. But, you know, the, 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 um, the, what, we, what we work on with people is uh, we have tools in place to help you uh, engage the community. You know, we, we believe in supporting, not, not necessarily supporting community events with money, but supporting community events with your product, being present. I can't tell you how many 5Ks I've done in my life, right? Where I, I, I'm up at four in the morning brewing coffee and I, I go in uh, to, uh, out into the, the community with the, all my coffee loaded up in my car and I stand in a tent and I, I serve coffee all morning long. And, you know, that's the kind of thing that just entrepreneurs and business people do. And if that kind of stuff's a struggle for you, I think that business ownership is going to be a struggle for you. You need to be kind of a natural uh people person, for lack of a better term, in order to be able to build that community and build those relationships. And the relationships are key. They're, they're absolutely critical. Now, when you're looking at potential franchisees, are you looking for somebody that wants to be that guy you just described, maybe the social mayor that wants to be plugged in the community, that wants to be that the owner of a big, big coffee shop? Um, or is it somebody you want that's going to open, you know, 20 across the, the region? I, I, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm shocked to use the term, the, the local mayor, because that's a term we use all the time. And we want you to be the mayor, the, the unofficial mayor of your community. Right. Uh, and, and if you can figure out how to do that and be that, uh, we, we don't worry about whether you're going to be able to build a successful business. We don't sign multi-store contracts. So if you wanted to join up with us and, and you brought me a, amazing management team and you know you had capitalization of three million bucks and you were ready to roll and build you know 15 of these things i would say no to you and i've said no to many many people in that situation i want somebody who's going to they have to commit to running the store themselves with an apron on out front six hours a day for the first year of operation now we have many multi-unit operators so you can turn that right there into a multi-unit business and and many of our uh, owners have but you have to first learn how to run the business learn how to make one store profitable and one of the primary ways we advocate for that is by by telling people they've got to become the mayor of their community so um, you said that and it it, it made me made my, my eyes open wide because that's the term we use now, um, when you're talking to a potential franchisee, who was that person? Is it the person that just recently retired? Is it the person that's frustrated maybe with their day job? Is it a husband and wife team? Like who, who's the, who's the good ideal prospect for you in terms of franchisee? Well, I'll tell you, if I had an answer to that question, uh, cause it is so hard to predict who's going to be an amazing operator and who isn't. Um, you know, and I, I'm sure there's big, big franchise companies out there that have all kinds of personal profiling they do. Um, but, I'll, you know, the, the majority, the majority of our people are people that have had a lifelong dream of owning their own business uh, and they want the support 
and and the connectivity of being part of a franchise company and having us behind them and with them uh, throughout the whole thing. Uh, some of our ideal candidates, are, of course, are, are people that are displaced from corporate America, uh, but also empty nesters have been a huge uh, piece of our, uh, or part of our development. It's people who are, you know, the children are, you know, in their early 20s, they're leaving home, uh, and, and, you know, they're in a financial position uh, to do it, and they want something more out of their career than the day job they've had for the last, you know, 20 years. And, and so uh, the empty nester community, that's, that's really been a, a uh, and, and by the way, the empty nester Nesters are great because they identify with our employees because they have children that age. And so there's, and, and by the way, they've been running a business for the last 20 years, which has been their home. So, you know, it's, uh, the empty nesters have been a, a, a real um, uh, uh, powerful part of, of our franchise development. Now, how has the pandemic impacted your business in terms, well, in twofold? One, uh, the business in the local markets and also the business in terms of getting uh, new franchisees going? Well, if you would have told me April 1st that we'd be where we are today, I wouldn't have believed you because our the, the revenue at the store level uh, is up dramatically over last year. And, you know, we're even performing beyond our budget, uh, you know, our pre-COVID budget. We're, we're outperforming that. And that's been, that's been, um, a, a really nice, uh, I'm going to call it a surprise because I, I wouldn't have predicted this. Uh, and, and then, you know, in terms of people interested in franchising, um, I'll just some numbers are, uh, we do a monthly sales seminar and you know, a good sales seminar for us on a monthly basis was anywhere from 25 to 30, 35 people. Like that would have been a great number. And, and we, we've had some up North of 50, you know, 51 or 52. Uh, we did one last, Wednesday with 127 people on it. And it's just, you know, I, I wish I had an answer for you as to why, uh, but it really has been, uh, the last 60 days have been pretty mind blowing for us from a, from a growth perspective. Um, yeah, it's an interesting time because there's so much uncertainty. I would imagine that when there's more economic uncertainty, people want to kind of take things into their own hands and take some control. And then maybe they're opening their minds up, up to franchising, being a franchise yeah, well, our, our biggest year ever was 2010 and that was just after the the great recession and so uh, yeah i think you're right about that people they you know they feel more secure owning their own business and being in control of that and you know what they need to do is they need to maintain the relationships with their customers and that's all they got to do and they'll have a successful business on their hands right right I well think that's i think there's a lot of truth to that well it's like you said they can't wake up at four in the morning and make the coffee for the 5k. They know they can do that as opposed to just hoping they don't get axed during the next reorg. <laughs> it's sad, but true. It's sad, but true, right? Like if you've got your business, you know, I, 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 um, I teach entrepreneurship. And one of the things I always tell my students is if you're an entrepreneur, it doesn't matter how tall you are. It doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter where you were born. The only thing that matters is, is are, can you, bring enough value to the marketplace that you get people walking into your store and buying cups of coffee and then, or, or whatever your product might be. And by the way, there's no limit to how many cups of coffee you can sell. Nobody can tell you, you can't sell a million cups a year, a coffee a year. Right. And you, and that's, there is a sense of um, security in this, in that you do have control over that. When you work for somebody, you might have one boss, but when you're an entrepreneur, 
every client's your boss. So you kind That's of, uh, you're spreading the risk around <laughs> when That's you do true. that. Yeah. 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 And you know, we started in the business when I, when I started as a barista at our first store, we were selling, uh, under 300 cups of coffee a day. And, you know, today we're selling, I think, uh, 65 to 70,000 cups of coffee a day. And I plan on taking that number to a million cups a day. And nobody in the world can tell me I can't do it. As long as I can convince the customer to come in and buy my cups of coffee, there's no, there is no limit to my upside. And I love that about, about entrepreneurship. Now tell us about your book grind. Yeah. So, you know, I've done a lot of reading in, in this space of entrepreneurship and, and I really, um, I, I'm fascinated by all of it, but I, I really struggled because I could never, I never found a book to me anyway, that represented the true spirit of what it's like to be in a startup or to be an entrepreneur. And, you know, all the books that I read are either, you know, guys that, uh, men and women that have you know, built companies and are flying around in the private jets with nine figure uh, net worths, looking back at startup through rose colored glasses. And those are entertaining stories, but there's not a lot of value in that to me, right? The other side of the coin is you've got academics who have never done it, who are studying entrepreneurs. And I think they lack the ability to capture what the spirit of a business startup is. So I wanted to write a book that was completely focused on the startup moment. So it's from the day you conceive the idea and commit to it to your very first day of cash flow. And that's all the book is about is when you open a business, you are in a dead sprint to get to positive cash flow. And, and so I brought as much value as I could, uh, to, to that, to the book. Uh, so when people read it, they can, I hope walk away with three or four or five nuggets that will help them if they decide to go into business to get from the first day of, of conception to, uh, to positive cash flow. And then once you're a positive cash flow, you got a whole bunch of other uh, issues you got to deal with. But uh, we got to get we got to get you to cash flow first. And then the book has some kind of tips and tactics in order to do that. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, that's that, that's the whole point. I hope anyway. <laughs> I spent about five years of my life. So, <laughs> you know, the the the, uh, the thing is like so the first the first chapter and, and I, I won't go into detail on all of it, but the first chapter I wrote about due diligence. And the concept is due diligence on you as the entrepreneur. Entrepreneurs like to spend all kinds of time and energy and resources studying the marketplace and studying pricing strategies and competition and, you know, all kinds of different things. I've never really heard anybody talk about that you as the entrepreneur, you probably need to do some due diligence on you, your strengths, your weaknesses, and then you need to figure out how to complement and supplement your weaknesses in order to grow the business successfully. And, and to me, that is because you are the most important ingredient to whether your business is going to be successful or not. Yeah. And you're, so you're the secret one, sauce. About that. Uh, you have to realize that's, you're the secret sauce. Without you, there's no the, business. That's, that's it. And so uh, and then, of course, I, you know, the the um, the title of my book, it was going to be what the title of chapter two is, which is sell more blank. I'll right. just leave it at blank so I don't get in any trouble. Uh, and and uh, but but if you aren't a salesperson, if you don't wake up 
with this, the soul of a salesperson and, and you're, you're going to, you're going to struggle as being an entrepreneur, in my opinion. And it's the only deal breaker I have. I tell everybody, you can figure out how to do anything you need to do to make your business successful. But if you aren't going to be the one hawking your product, if you're not going to be the one pounding on the phones and grinding away, making sales calls uh, to grow your business, then I would give it a second thought uh, as to whether you want to go ahead and move forward. Yeah, that's one of my biggest gripes when it comes to higher education. They don't spend time on teaching people how to be salespeople because sales is something, it doesn't matter what career you're going to go into. Everybody's selling something and everybody's got a boss they got to serve one way or another. So the skills of a salesperson are um, not taught enough. And and I don't, I don't think a lot of young people really understand what sales is. Yeah, I tell you, I, I w- I'd love to, I'll send you a copy of my book. I'd love to have you read chapter two because that's, that's what chapter two is about. That's it. And, and if, if you aren't willing to commit yourself to selling, uh, I tell you to keep your money in your savings account and take a nice vacation uh, because it's not going to work. Amen to that. Without the salespeople, nobody eats. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Yeah. Uh- yeah. So, you know, the, the book is, I think the book is, is good. I've gotten a lot of real good feedback on it. People are enjoying it. Uh, and so it's, it's, uh, I, my website is grind the And, uh, I, you know, if people are interested, um, you can order it there and it's on Amazon, of course, and all the other places you can buy books, but, uh, it's a, it's a, I think it's a good read and, and I, I'd love to get people's feedback, uh, on it as well. Sounds good. Well, if somebody wanted to learn more about the franchise opportunity or find the the nearest Big Big Coffee near them, what's the best coordinates? Yeah, so so again, just the, the website bigb.com. It's b is in boy i g g b is in boy y dot com, and uh, that that'll take you get you anything you need to know, and and love to have people in and trying uh, trying our latest drinks and our LTOs, and uh, there's a lot going on inside of Big B that's awesome. Good stuff. Well, Mike, thank you for sharing your story today. I appreciate you and all the great work you're doing. Hey, thanks for having me on. I do appreciate it. This is a great show. All right. This is Lee Cantor. We will see you all next time on Franchise Marketing Radio. Hey, man, you still...